You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm your host, Kathy Biasse, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, and our production assistant, Daniel Tersini, we'd like to welcome you to our show today. Good morning, Dala. Uh, da- okay, I knew I'd blow that. Oh, that this was fun. Fra- Let's <laughs> Good try morning, that again. Dallas. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> First intro with Daniel's name. I did that all correctly, and then, okay, so good morning, Alex. How are you? I'm keeping well. Thank you so much. That's good. Our last show before the new year. Our last live show. Our last live show, yes. That's right. We have a special... Two mistakes in the the span of about 15 seconds. Our last live show. That's okay. (laughs) This bodes well. It sure... Oh, you're on the microphone. Good morning, Daniel, too. Okay, we're trying something new here. Uh, Daniel has uh, been given the status of being on air now. So Uh all is new, and it's just throwing me for a little bit because I've been doing the same thing for the last year and a half. It's been a year and a half now. I can hardly believe that. Yeah, it's amazing. It's been a great ride, and again, I want to thank you guys for everything. Everything you do to help me out, because without you um, leading me and keeping me where I should be, this would not fly. So thank you again. I'm forever grateful. You're very welcome. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Our show today is live. It's our last live show before the new year. So at the end of the show, I'm going to talk to you about some uh, amazing show that's um, coming up. But right now, our show is live. Our number is 416-245-1534. You can follow us on our social media sites, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC. And our email is thh at radiomaria.ca. And that uh, uh, email address and people are really starting to email in now and I'm loving it uh, show requests guests that are interested in being on the show and if you are falling into either of those categories if you have any questions that weren't answered in any of our shows please feel free to contact us we uh, do love to hear from you also please subscribe to our podcast The Health Hub we are on iTunes SoundCloud all your favorite podcast platforms and you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website which is www.radio.com RadioMaria.ca, and on my website, which is KathyBiasse.com. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a great comment. Our show last week, The Lyme Solution with Dr. Darren Ingalls, is up and ready for you to listen to, so please uh, do so. It was a really great show, a lot of interesting information. I love it when uh, I walk away from a show um, more informed than I was before I entered the show. It was really great. Now, today I wanted to talk to you about a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. And I thought as we go into the Christmas season and we have guests coming and going through our homes, I wanted to talk to you about why we should be taking our shoes off before we enter into the main living space of our home. 
we have been renovating now, it seems like a decade. And uh, with that, we get many, many people coming in and out of our house. And nothing makes me happier when I see those little slip-on booties that the um, that the tradespeople put on before they walk into the house. It uh, And it's not just for the dirt that can be trekked into the house. There are lots of other reasons why it really is an important thing to do when you walk into your house or somebody else's house, just simply take off your shoes. Um, the dirt, yes, that's one thing in the cleaning and the trekking. That's, but there, there are also a, a slew of chemicals and contaminants that you can track into your house from the bottom of your shoes. In fact, there was a study done and it showed that 98% of all lead dust found within a home is tracked in from the outside. So that's, uh, that's kind of profound. And also a plethora of germs can be picked up from sidewalks, escalators, stairways. You can bring in everything from animal waste to human body fluids on the soles of your shoes. Now imagine toddlers and babies walking along the floors and even for um, your pets if your pets are always on the floor or you know our dogs sometimes will lick the floor for whatever reason I don't know why but you know it's it's important that you understand that you can track into your house a lot of nasties from the outside so if, if that alone doesn't um, cause you to uh, take pause and take off your shoes then there are also healthy reasons for your feet the shoes that you wear can sometimes protect, I guess is the word, or, or cause certain muscles in your feet not to be used. So if you don't take your shoes off until you're going to bed, you're really doing a disservice to those muscles in your feet. You have lots of little muscles. If you've ever tried to balance on one foot, you can almost feel the engagement of, of some of these muscles within your feet. So taking your shoes off helps you to work these muscles and uh, it gives you better better stability. So that's a, a one reason uh, to help your feet. Also, Free feet can, you know, aid in the legs pumping blood back up to the heart, actually. And that can, uh, it has been um, shown to inhibit uh, vein problems. So another important reason to take your, your shoes off. And and perhaps, and for me, the, the most important reason looking beyond uh, muscles and feet and dirt and stuff is it just feels good. So you take your shoes off, you let your feet breathe, you can stretch them. And it also kicks off the day. You know, you take your shoes off after work or after being out for the day, and you just mindfully go into a little bit more of a relaxed state. So Take your shoes off when you go home, and especially when you go into other people's homes. Really important. A lot of us don't think about that, but uh, do 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 that. Do do that. Uh, if you're trying to encourage other people to do so when they walk into your house, you know, maybe have some slippers at the front door, and you know, maybe you just have to say, "Please take off your shoes." You know, this is the way we are in our house, so take off your shoes. So there you go. A little something to end off. Uh, our 2018 live show. But before, again, before I wanted uh, to head into our guest today, I, I bumped into a great uh, treat in one of my health food stores, and I wanted to share with you the recipe. And this is for coconut milk eggnog with espresso. I kind of played around with some things yesterday you might have seen on our social sites. So just a quick recipe for you. It was absolutely delicious. For those of you who are dairy-free, um, coconut milk uh, eggnog is, is a nice alternative. I used 
used to, I have, didn't say used to, I have made a regular eggnog in the past, but this is a kind of a nice little treat um, Christmas morning. So what you need are three cups of coconut milk, four eggs, a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and a quarter cup of maple syrup. And what you do is you, um, you can also have some coconut cream if you want made up too. So you heat the coconut milk over uh, a low heat. Do not bring it to a boil, just a low, low heat, because you're going to be introducing raw eggs. So we want to make sure that you're not boiling the coconut milk. Then you want to combine, uh, as your coconut milk is starting to heat up, the egg yolks, the vanilla, and the maple syrup. And then very slowly, you can temper the eggs if you want, but very, very slowly add that mixture into the warm coconut milk and continue to stir until it begins to thicken. Then you're going to refrigerate that for a little bit, for two to three hours at least. And then Christmas morning, you can wake up and make yourself a shot of espresso and add the coconut milk eggnog to it. And it is delicious. And if you don't want to add the espresso, you can do some coconut cream and put that on top with a little bit of cinnamon. But uh, it was delicious, I have to say. You guys should try that. Very easy recipe and, uh, and just yummy. So we have a really fun topic today as we go into uh, Christmas time. And our guest today is Margaret Malloy, and she is the Zimmerman University Endowed Fellow and Professor of Marketing in the Smeal College of Business at Penn State. She joined the faculty in 2002 after having served on the faculty in the Department of Applied Economics and Management at Cornell University and the Pamplin College of Business at Virginia Tech. Her research examines consumer and managerial decision-making biases and heuristics, which I will be asking her what that word is. I looked it up and still not quite sure. With a special emphasis on how moods influence consumer information processing, preference construction, and choice behavior. Her work has been published in Journal of Consumer Research, Journal of Experimental Psychology, the Journal of Marketing Research, the Journal of Operations Management, Management Science, Production and Operations Management, Organizational Behavior, and Human Decision Processes and Psychological Science. She currently serves on the editorial review boards for the Journal of Consumer Research and the Journal of Consumer Psychology. Professor May co-chaired the Society for Consumer Psychology Conference in 2010 and served as the treasurer for the Association for Consumer Research from 2012 to 2014. She was elected president of the Society for Consumer Psychology in 2018. Our topic is the psychology of gift giving, and our learning points will be among many Why do we give gifts? What are some of the tips for gift giving and how we can find joy in the shopping process? And when we get back, we will be talking to Professor Meg. Travel 
Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, 
hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Our show is live. If you have any questions, please call at 416-245-1534. And again, follow us on our social sites at the Health Hub RMC on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Good morning, Professor Meg. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm fine, and thank you so much for including me in your program today. Oh, this is going to be a fun topic. I have been looking forward to this, and, and forgive me if I go astray, but I'm telling you this psychology of, of why we give gifts and shopping is just such an interest. I would love to have taken one of your courses when I was in university. Well, I, I have to confess that the reason I got into gift giving was because of two people, and I need to give them a little shout out. Andong Chang is a professor at University of Delaware, and she was a graduate student of mine. And Evan Pullman, who is a faculty member at Wisconsin, but he's originally from Toronto. And they are wonderful co-authors to have. So I have to give them a shout out. (laughs) So what what pulled you into this? Are Are you hired to do this for certain companies? Is it complete interest? What what pulls you into this? It's all about interest. Um, When I was uh, sort of working before I went back for my PhD, I was noticing that there were a lot of people. I worked at the Franklin Mint, um, which is a company that makes very expensive collectibles. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the people who were the biggest buyers of those collectible items were individuals who seemingly were lonely. And so that got me interested in what prompts people to buy themselves gifts as well as how people approach gift giving more generally. So that that was a long time ago, but Mm. (laughs) yeah. But but interesting. So you've been to, what, three different universities. First of all, what is heuretics, heuristics? Heuristics are shortcuts. They're just simple little shortcuts that, consumers use when they're trying to make a choice. So people who decide I'm always going to buy the uh, lowest price laundry detergent are using a simple little heuristic. They're saying I'm always going to buy the the lowest priced item. There are other people who are very brand loyal. So they'll say I'm always going to buy this particular brand because I know that it is what works for me, it works for my water system at home, um, and does a good job. So their heuristics are nothing more than shortcuts that we use. Are they, I'm assuming that they're helpful for us to navigate the shopping experience? Yeah, so it doesn't feel overwhelming. It still feels overwhelming. And I, you know, like personally, um, I stay away from huge stores. I, I had to go into one of the great big box stores to pick up some pictures, and I, I kind of broke into a sweat. I mean, too yeah, much no, choice? I, oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. And and there is a, a stream of research on choice overload. And even though we psychologically like a lot of choice, uh Physiologically, we have a bad reaction to it, so we should be entering into those smaller stores and where there is less choice because then we can actually enjoy the decision-making process more. Well, you know, you've, you've published a number of, of different research papers, different topics. Now, do the stores look at your research to try and make the shopping experience A, more pleasurable, and B, more inviting, 
Is this something that you you found your research is is tending to be observed by? Um, it's very interesting. A lot of retailers will do their own thing, and oftentimes academics are saying, "Huh, this is a trend that we're seeing in retail. Why is that happening, and why is that being a successful strategy for uh, retailers?" And so we tend to sort of go deeper and try to figure out what is driving it. Uh, And they are, I would say, taking a more experimental approach Mm -hmm. um, and just sort of seeing what works in their retail environment with their target audience and uh, their, their product. Oh, I've got to think that retailers know exactly the time of, of day to play certain music and, you know, the they upbeat, do. the downbeat, all of that. That, that <laughs> The psychology of shopping must be just a, an, a huge, vast interest to retailers. It, it is very fun. Uh, yeah. um, we, have, we, have, we know about research that shows that if you are in a, a store and there is slower music, playing in the background, you shop the store most, more slowly, you increase the number of items in the basket, uh, and, and you, you linger. Uh, but if you have more upbeat music, music, like in a restaurant, it turns the tables more quickly. So you can get more people in and out of the restaurant faster. Fascinating. I like to um, I, I like to get my Christmas shopping done. This is sort of a fun thing I do at Christmas. I like to get my Christmas shopping done and then go to the malls and watch people go crazy. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of, of fun, the, the people who leave it to the last minute. And I guess there's a whole psychology about buying gifts early, buying gifts late. But maybe we can start off with a simple question is, have you done research as to why we give gifts in the general sphere of a lifetime? Yeah, there is a a rich history on gift giving. And basically we give gifts because we want to indicate to other people how important they are in our lives. And it, it has been designed, if you want to call it that, uh, in order to send a signal and strengthen the bond. So the perfect gifts involve a labor of love. And so the more, more labor, the more perfect the gift is deemed to be. So you have to sacrifice something, usually time, effort. Oftentimes people interpret that as money in order to express that uh, bond. Okay, then gift cards don't really fit into the labor of love category. Yeah, they're kind of a default. Yeah. When you don't know what to get for someone, people are like, well, I'll get them a gift card. And unfortunately, a lot of consumers believe that they can express that they understand their recipient more and they can give a gift that appears more thoughtful by getting them a gift certificate or gift card to a store that presumably the person likes to shop at. And unfortunately, those gift cards tend not to get used. So individuals tend to like the gifts that are more generic, like a Visa gift card Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they can use across a wider variety of stores and across different categories of purchase. 
do they have the same meaning as a gift that you would consider a labor of love? Uh, I would say no, but the jury is out on that. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Now, yeah. the, the other issue when it comes, especially around Christmas time, um, mm-hmm. I find, and I don't know if you've ever ever thought about this or, or done research on this, there's a lot of guilt around this time of year of who should be on the list and who shouldn't be on the list. And how can you determine where that cutoff is? Because you've got the financial burden and you just, it, it can become overwhelming. And then the whole season is shot because you're completely stressed out. Um, you know, do you give gifts to everybody that you pass by as a, a hairdresser? Yeah. So how, yeah. how do you find that creating a solid list is done? Well, I think everybody starts with the people that, that they'd like to give a gift to. And then as a strategy, I would say, assume that suddenly your gift giving budget is cut in half. Who would remain on the list? And most times the people who are cut off the list at that point are people that shouldn't be on your list in the first place. And we've done research that basically shows that if you face a budget contraction, so you no longer have all that income to to devote to gift giving, uh, the people who are cut from the list during that contractionary period don't come back when your income replenishes or rebounds. So you need to think about who should be on the list, who should stay on the list if you do face an income contraction or budget contraction. And then think about those people who maybe you can give a smaller gift to as well. Maybe a homemade gift. Homemade yeah. gift is nice. Yeah, crafts are nice. Actually, I, I really enjoy when the kids give me some crafts. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, it just gets to me overwhelming this time of year. And and as as we get older, especially as parents, we get older. I mean, the the homemade gifts to me are the nicest, or the you know the coupon to go out to a movie together, because mm-hmm. um, it it just again as you've me- alluded to, or as you mentioned before, uh, the labor of love really is. You know, there's there's intention behind it. But, you know, what do you feel about topics like re-gifting and buying, you know, the same gift, having a theme and buying everybody socks for the, the, the season? I'm actually a big proponent of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the literature basically says people try to give different people different gifts, um, but it's really challenging because then you're less likely to be able to match up the person's preferences with the gift that you're giving them. Uh, So there could be two people on your list who would love the exact same gift, even the exact same gift card, and you feel compelled to mix it up. So I think that you should give a gift that the giver appreciates and it sends a signal and uh, provides that sort of emotional connection. This represents me, and I want you to have a piece of me with you. Well, that's that a sense? nice, yeah, that's actually a, a, nice, uh, a nice thought, because 
you you come you know you have on your list some people that have lots of hobbies that you can you know mm-hmm. there's just different ways you can go but when it comes to people that may be a little bit pickier or don't have a lot of hobbies is that mm-hmm. how you would approach these people certainly it helps to uh think about the effort reward trade-off. So if you have someone who is a really picky recipient, we all approach that person with a bit of fear and trepidation, and it's stressful uh, to try to figure out the ideal gift for them. And even if we ask them specifically, what would you like? There are all sorts of expectations that even though you've told me exactly what you want, you still might not like my gift. Mm-hmm. And so providing either extra reassurances or somehow making sure that there are easy return policies or just completely bailing immediately and giving them a generic gift card is usually the way to go just to de-stress for the giver. And making sure you put in the gift receipt so they can return something if they exactly. don't want. Exactly. Well, I mean, let's exactly. let's flip the coin um, a second uh, just before we head into the break. Uh, have you done any research on how the receiver should actually be? You know, their frame of mind. It, you, you, you know, we're in the the holiday season now, and should you be expecting a, a level of you know monetary level of a gift should you be disappointed in a gift or should you just be having that frame of mind that hey someone's thought of me have you done research on that area we haven't we've talked about it uh, but oftentimes the recipient the the feeling is that the recipient is looking at the the gift as a, again that symbol of how important am I in, in, you know, to you in this relationship? And so that's one of the reasons that a lot of people feel like they have to give a gift that doesn't carry a monetary value because as soon as you give a gift card, there's a monetary value associated with that. And it is challenging to not then make it seem more like a commercial relationship instead of a friendship. I can see why you got into this area of study because you can go in so many different ways. There's so many oh. areas that you can you can hit <laughs> upon and uh, and actually educate people to try and de-stress themselves during uh, the busy shopping season, even in grocery yeah. shopping. But we're going to take yeah. a break now. When we come back, I want to talk about retail okay. therapy. That uh, okay. the, one of the main reasons that uh, that um, I wanted to have you on the show it was it was the 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 paper that I saw first and uh, this retail therapy is very interesting. So when we be back, when we get back, we'll be talking about that. the snow from my doorstep I just can't help but stop and grin it's like I'm 10 years old again and everywhere I go I can feel it 
Some say it moves like a spirit It falls on us once a year Like it came on that midnight clear The soul of this season is a gift When love came down to last live Let's open up and let our hearts embrace this moment For Christmas this year We're gonna make a sound, gonna make it loud For Christmas this year We're gonna make some noise that the world Starts before the sunrise. I sneak downstairs to sparkling eyes and oh, what joy it brings to me. The family around our Christmas tree. And I thank the Lord for his favor as we sing the songs of the Savior. Our Savior. The soul of this season is a gift. When love came down to let us live, let's open up and let our hearts embrace this moment. For Christmas this year, we're gonna make Gonna make it loud for Christmas this year. We're gonna make some noise, let the world rejoice for Christmas this year. For Christmas, for Christmas this year. Holy, holy, God is coming Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody, and do follow us on our social sites, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC, and our email address is thh at radiomaria.ca. So, Dr. Professor Meg, I first um, came across you in an, uh, just a, 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 I think I picked up a magazine, and it was an article on retail therapy and the whole process that you've done a, a large study that's really gained uh, momentum. Maybe you could tell us about that. So retail therapy is this idea that when we feel down, 
in a slightly bad mood, we might decide that we need to go shopping as a way to improve our mood and just get out and about and be around people. And what we find is that if you are in a bad mood, you might go to the mall or to a store or go shopping uh, and you buy yourself while you're out and about small unplanned treats. And we did this study by going to a mall, asking people as they were coming into the mall, you know, what do you plan to buy today? And we made them make a list and then we asked them to come back to the table where we were and to please indicate all the items that they had purchased for themselves. And when they first came into the mall, we also asked them to fill out a short mood scale, which was basically just designed to figure out, are you in a good mood or in a bad mood? (laughs) Um, And what we found was that there were more unplanned treats that were purchased for the self than if the people were in a bad mood than if they were in a good mood. If they were in a good mood, they were buying celebratory gifts for themselves. Uh, if they were in a bad mood, they were stopping at Auntie Anne's and picking up pretzels, or they were buying fishing lures if it was guys, or they were picking up earrings or you know small little pick-me-up gifts for themselves. And there was mood improvement by the end. So that sort of started, got a got us thinking about that old adage, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. So that was the beginning of it. And we ended up doing a bunch of research that basically tried to figure out were people aware that they were going shopping as a way to improve their mood or was this just non-consciously occurring? And it seems to be motivated. Uh, People are aware that they're doing it. And then we also wanted to find out if people experienced regret and uh, tried to return items that they might have purchased after the fact when their mood was, when they were in a better frame of mind. Um, And we didn't find that to be the case. Uh, People knew kind of their limits of spending and they were buying themselves small treats. So... Go ahead, can fin- finish your thought. Uh, no, uh, so so it's, it's a bit different than people who are uh, sort of doing a big social comparison and going shopping because they feel that they are not acquiring as much as other people. Well, <laughs> so it, those people who are more materialistic, they're going shopping for other reasons, and it, and it goes into this downward spiral. But They're never satisfied. Is it just people that are in sort of a negative mood that you find are shopping a little bit more for themselves? Or is it um, a happy mood, they buy one type, and a sad mood, they buy another type? Or how did so that... So people, people who were in a really happy mood were usually at the mall to buy themselves a celebratory gift. So those tended to be more expensive, more lasting, Uh, There were people who were buying themselves higher-end jewelry to represent, you know, having um, passed a big exam or they were buying more expensive clothing that would represent their success. So uh, the celebratory gifts 
tended to be more expensive, more lasting. There was no uh, no thought of returning the item. So was the intention to go shopping for themselves either way in your study, or are we talking about the Christmas shopper who really doesn't want to be there, um, you know, fighting the throngs and decides they're going to, you know, buy themselves a, a donut and a coffee? Uh, go for the donut and coffee if you're out and are shopping and aren't really happy about being there. <laughs> it should provide the pick-me-up. You just have to be careful that it doesn't go on your waist. Oh, yeah. Well, there's always on that. On a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you found a difference between those who like to shop as a general life mm-hmm. being and those who don't like to shop? I don't like to shop personally. I, I think that if it brings you pleasure to go shopping, uh, the type of shopping that you do is different. For people who enjoy it, they will go out and they probably don't need the little pick-me-up because the mere act of shopping is going to be providing that mood lift. For people who don't enjoy shopping but who find themselves with a list of things that they need to purchase and they've walked into the store or the, the mall and they are forced to go go into the throngs and start Find, finding things, uh, for them, I would definitely advise that they buy themselves a little uh, treat and do some retail therapy for themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hard this time of year around Christmas time with um, all the other things that go along with the season to, to find yourself yes. in the right mindset for buying gifts. Yes. So your research and science is saying treat yourself. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel regret. Just embrace the moment and say, okay, this is a way to get me through. Mm -hmm. Now, would you spend less money if you were in a better mood, do you think? Do you stick to your plan and and budget-wise, you do a better job if you're in a happy state? Um. The, the research on how a good mood influences decision-making is very conflicted. Uh, so if you have a decision to make and you're in a good mood, you are more creative. You think more flexibly about the way information goes together. You might come up with a better gift for the recipient who might be a little difficult to, to buy for. Uh, that is all assuming that you're in an environment that is relatively uh, safe and you're not feeling totally stressed under underneath that, that you have a deadline for buying this gift. Mm-hmm. If you are, however, in a good mood and you feel under threat and that anxiety is taking over, you might be uh, more likely to pull the trigger faster. So it makes a lot so. more sense to be mindful and in the, the right head space before you enter that mall with yes. the, the nice yes. music. That's okay. So do yes. you have suggestions for us on how to put us in the right head space to build that good shopping experience before we walk in the doors? I would say make sure you're going out when you're rested, when you have 
sort of the mental and physical wherewithal to withstand the shopping experience. Because if you start to feel depleted, either mentally or physically, uh, you'll make more impulsive purchases. So that's the first thing. Get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Eat your breakfast. <laughs> you know, be ready. Be ready for what's about to hit. <laughs> um, and and I would say, you know, just enjoy the process because if you are going in and you're stressed out about the people that you need to buy the gifts for, you will make suboptimal decisions. But and- if you can enjoy the process, if you can pick stores where there's delightful music and it's a smaller store where you're not overwhelmed by things and there is help there are recommendations that they can make in the store you'll have a better experience and you will feel like ah okay i have some good solutions for these individuals it's such a big part nowadays the consumerism of christmas that if you really aren't happy about doing it it really can kind of sour the season. So I, I personally have mm-hmm. tried to be, you know, it's, I have a checklist and I find that I, I often find myself just wanting to get to the end of the checklist. So I've tried mm-hmm. this year to be a bit more mindful about, you know, baking, not doing it at 8.39 yeah. at night, trying to be more mindful mm-hmm. of that, you know, and, and it's like the the best laid plans, right? And then you you know you're mm-hmm. going shopping and you you set these things up. You do your budget. You've got your list. You've got some ideas, mm-hmm. and then you hit the parking lot, and <laughs> all of those things are thrown out the window because you've tensed yeah. up. Just so uh, you know, even being mindful to know that if you've got there's a mall, um, a very well known mall here in Toronto that. Um, uh, it, it just frustrated me. So I think I drove around literally for about a half an hour trying to find a parking spot a few mm-hmm. years ago, and now I just avoid it. But I mean, that can also really set your mood in the wrong direction. So every piece of the puzzle, Absolutely. yeah, before you even walk in the front door, I think mm-hmm. is an important thing to do. Yeah. Now, yeah. Have, have you done any research around the topic of Material gifts versus experiential gifts, because I hear a lot more now about um, companies selling experiences versus an item. Yes, and there is research out there. I haven't done it, but uh, Tom Gilovich has done a lot of this at Cornell, um, and it looks at material gifts versus experiences, and people tend to have longer memories of the experiences. The material gifts are more likely to be re-gifted or to sit in a closet in a box and not be out as a reminder of the giver. And so those experiences, if we have given our recipient an experience, we are much more likely to become attached to that experience, especially if we have joined them in that event or that experience. And then it becomes something that really reinforces that tie, that relationship. I, I, and so those are more perfect gifts. And and the experience, so you, you alluded to the experience being one, not just um, the more meaningful one is where you're enjoying the experience with the gift giver, as opposed to, mm-hmm. um, you know, sending them off somewhere. Right. You know, I think this is really a great idea for kids. 
you know, the yeah. kids are always looking for gifts to give parents. And, I, I, you know, I guess we've got this consumerism fixation in our head that a certain dollar amount has to be met to show mm-hmm. value um, which is so wrong, and maybe it's just a, a maturity thing. But, um, you know, the idea of giving, as I, I think I mentioned before, coupons or, you know, even yeah. coupons for washing the dishes, for goodness sake, is, is a terrific mm. gift. And, you know, That's I think a great idea. it is a great idea. And I think that, um, you know, we, we should focus more on sometimes on, on, on these things. And I don't know if, if what the research is, but it, to me, you know, just as not only just the kids are getting older, but the gifts seem to be getting more and more expensive. They're, yeah. they're focusing on the technology things, and they can really, you know, mm-hmm. that can be a depressing thing if you can't afford to give your gift, uh, your, your, your child a, a gift because, you know, the base level is just is stupidly out of range. And, yeah. you know, this is a whole other aspect of Christmas that uh, is kind of sad. Well, and you're seeing more people who have their list, they get on their computer, they do online shopping, and my guess is that half of them can't even remember what they have sent to their friends from afar to be shipped. My guess is they, they don't even remember what they bought them. <laughs> well, so it's, yeah, it, that it, really defeats the purpose. It does. It does. And we're trying, you know, we want to, we want to, we want to bring meaning back into the gift giving. Do you have suggestions for bringing meaningfulness back into, you know, we talked about, um, we talked about the experiences. Is there anything else that you can mm-hmm. suggest that really shows somebody how much we care? I personally, and this is just me, but I really appreciate the homemade gifts that so for instance right now I'm sitting in my office and I am surrounded by pecan pies that I will be delivering to different colleagues in a little bit and as I was making each of these pecan pies and laying each of the pecans in I was saying a little prayer for each person oh no that's lovely and so if you devote that time to doing something handmade or homemade, whether it's jam or, you know, a pie or food, you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in food, um, you know, it, it sort of says, I thought about you and this, this is something from me to you from the heart. And that that's lovely. And that's, um, you know, we've only got a week here until Christmas. And I was just yeah. listening to uh, the radio on the way in and they're saying, you know, now's crunch time. Friday's going to be horrible. I mean, and just that alone, it just puts you mm-hmm. in a bad mood. And if you can pull back a little bit and, and ease a bit with um, with the the number of gifts that you can that you can reduce mm-hmm. by just doing some homemade things. I think, I think that that's a, a lovely sentiment around Christmas time. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that's lovely. Now, as we end the show, do you have any other words of wisdom on this Christmas season that you'd like to impart uh, to our listeners? Perhaps, you know, how you create uh, other personal ways you create joy before you hit the malls or anything like that that you would like to share? I think you'd be- you should pick and choose the environment that you want to shop in that bring you joy because that's part of it too. 
And if you can create that better environment for you as a giver, whether that's in your kitchen or at the mall or wherever you happen to be, um, it will make that gift more meaningful. And even if the recipient is not as enthusiastic about the gift as you would hope, that is the recipient's problem. <laughs> there you go. That's nice. You know, it's true, actually. You know, we really should enjoy. There should be joy as the giver, not just as the yes. receiver. And, uh, you know, exactly. shopping and, and getting to the bottom of your list really is a job well done around this time of year. And uh, I do yeah. agree with that. That's a very nice way to to frame things. Make sure that you get joy in giving the gift. And that's, that's yeah, a lovely way to end it. To- it's supposed to be a labor of love, and it's your love toward them. Very nice. Thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's really been a fun conversation, and I think, um, I think right around this time, if people are listening, maybe as they head out this last week to the malls and, and battle the, the throngs of people there, they can take a moment, take a breath, find some meaningfulness in what they're doing, and, uh, and try and enjoy this week uh, before Christmas. Everybody, it, it will Happy. be a, Yes? Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy to talk. Oh, I, my pleasure. It's, it's such a fun topic to talk about. And there's so many different ways we could have gone with the conversation. But, uh, you know, just around this time, I think it's important what you say, especially as you ended off saying that, you know, we have to find joy as, as the giver. So everybody enjoy mm-hmm. this week before Christmas. We will be we will be. Um, recording our shows for the the Christmas day and for New Year's day. So we have a wonderful music show coming to you on Christmas day. So please do listen. It's interspersed with some, uh, some nice health tips. And of course, uh, Daniel and Alex put some beautiful music to it. So a nice show to listen to on Christmas morning. And on uh, December 1st, we've taped a fantastic show with uh, researcher and filmmaker, Laura Eisen. She has uh, put together a wonderful documentary for CBC's The Nature of Things. It's called Food for Thought. It's hosted by David Suzuki. And this documentary will be aired on January the 6th, but she will be with us on January the 1st to preview what will be in the documentary, all her research and thoughts behind um, the great, I've had, I've had the joy of, of seeing this, uh, previewing this documentary. It is fantastic. And of course, uh, the CBC, The Nature of Things is a, is a great, great Canadian uh, iconic show. So do, join us for that show for sure on January 1st and find out about the documentary. Everybody have a very, very Merry Christmas. We will be back with you in 2019. Please find time to find joy and peace over the holiday. And from Alex, Daniel, and myself, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. have been listening to The Health Hub 
Hosted by Kathy Biasi. Here on Radio Maria Canada.